Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartson. Today, we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Houston Texans. People, I get it, a 4-12 and team. You probably didn't expect too much good to have happened with this squad last year. And you'd be right for the most part, but one special person did make this team still worth watching every single Sunday, and his name is Deshaun Watson. And I see some people, you know, and we try to break down the top five quarterbacks in the league, and they say, oh, Watson can't be in there. He just went 4-12. and Believe me, people, I test analytics, whatever you want to look at Deshaun Watson really was a top five quarterback in the league last year just a shame that his team couldn't really pull up you know and hold up their end of the bargain with it very new team entering 2021 Watson's still there for now believe me we're going to talk about that plenty on this podcast but no no more JJ Watt for the first time in a while plenty of free agents uh, that could be resigned or could take their talents elsewhere and again this is not exactly a great overall team uh, that they're entering the offseason with anyway so plenty of holes to be filled in this team for sure but I have a very special guest on to help me figure out just what the Texans need do ahead this offseason she is anyone's idea of a texans expert contributes over at the houston chronicle stephanie stradley you can find on twitter at steph stradley stephanie thank you so much for the time and happy offseason uh, glad to be here w- wish i got to talk about more fun things <laughs> Uh, it's funny stuff. I reached out to you, you know, shortly before the Super Bowl, and pretty much you smartly said, "Hey, let's hold off on this." You know, very, very big news should be coming along with Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, here we are recording this on March eighth, and things still appear to be uh, a little bit, you know, questionable to put it to put it kindly. So uh, dysfunctional. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So we're going to do things a little bit different in this episode. Usually we go straight into team needs before getting into some 2021 uh, workload related questions. But Stephanie, I think everyone is here to learn about the current state of the Deshaun Watson saga. So please, the floor is, floor is yours. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Can you please describe the situation at the moment and give your thoughts on his long-term future in Houston? Yeah, I, I think I think we should go back to the game before the last game of the season where J.J. Watt was asked, hey, you know, are you going to stay with the team? And he says, you know, we don't have to do a rebuild. It depends on who our GM and head coach are. And, you know, with Deshaun Watson, you know, the sky's the limit. And you, you could have you put something like that together. Well, then after they made the pick that they did, it changed everything. Um, I don't know how many of, of your listeners read the Sports Illustrated reporting talking about Jack Easterby. He is a former, um, like originally he, he came into the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs to help them with their Bible study. Eventually he went to the Patriots and they termed him a character coach to deal with some of the issues that they had after Aaron Hernandez. And then um, he got an agent and took his talents elsewhere. And some people in New England had hurt feelings about how some of that went down. But, and originally there was some discussion that he was gonna go with the Colts with Josh McDaniels, but that blew up (laughs) famously. (laughs) And so he made his way to the Texans. And as I understand it, he was brought to the Texans because of a couple of things. First of all, to kind of help communicate with Cal McNair because Bill O'Brien had a very lean staff and, you know, he only has a certain number of hours of the day to communicate with the owner. And I guess another aspect of it is there were concerns about some players and their um, interact or, or their influence with other players on how they conduct themselves off the field. And that maybe if you brought somebody in to work on those cultural things, that that would be good. But, you know, he's a new guy to the team. He comes to the team and, you know, it's like, who is this guy? Yeah. And, and part, of the, part of the difficulty was that he eventually was put into football operations. Like very shortly after he signed up, Brian Gain got fired. And then he took a greater responsibility and they came up with a GM by committee <laughs> And which, you know. It just sounds weird. (laughs) Yeah. And then at some point they said, well, we need to make somebody responsible. So they made Bill O'Brien the name GM, but he was the most reluctant GM ever. Like if you asked him questions about his GMing, it's like, well, this is a committee. But he was then the responsible person for it. But, you know, that kind of structure, when you have a lot of leaders, you have no leader. 
or the leader that you have is Jack Easterby. And he just didn't connect with a lot of the key players on the team. And some of his interactions with the team were not good. And frankly, you know, when you are a player, you want to make sure that the people that are running things know more about what you're doing than you do. And so it's really hard to kind of respect the, the feedback that you're getting from, you know, the former Bible study guy. Yeah. <laughs> and also there was just kind of a general concern about whether the Houston Texans was a place where people could be themselves or that it was welcoming to people of differing backgrounds. And and so, but the hope was, okay, this was dysfunctional. It's been dysfunctional for the last couple of years. We're kind of sick of all this Patriot stuff. You know, it's going in one ear and out the other. We just want to feel good and connect with our fans again. We want to play an exciting brand of football. And then they got Nick Casario, which who's a very well-respected person from New England uh, that they tried to get previously and could not. And they almost got filed on for tampering and repeatedly trying to get, they finally get him. And the first thing he says is, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in charge of personnel, but I have a close relationship with Jack Easterby and he's going to be, have a very important role with the team. Well, then everything blew up because everybody, like after the terrible 2020, after all of the dysfunction, it wasn't a reset button. And, you know, the, the reports were that, you know, after all, and, and, and there was this whole big thing about, you know, we have this advisory group that's going to advise us on how we're going to get the GM and the GM is going to decide if Jack Easterby stays. <laughs> and then it was like, surprise, he's staying, this person you didn't like, he's staying. <laughs> Oh, and he's going to be in charge of everything because really, if you look at the structure of the Texans now, Nick Casario says, I'm in charge of personnel and, you know, and Cal McNair says, oh yeah, he's really good with personnel and contracts and Jack's going to be handling the other stuff. And so, you know, the players don't want like the, the it's not that these people are mean you know it's just that they have a different vision of what you, people want in a football team like what they're desiring it, what kind of workplace that they want to work in and so like you have a situation where cal mcnair says after the sports illustrated report it's, instead of addressing the concerns raised in that they go Cal McNair says, hey, some of these attacks are personal. I trust him. And then Jack Easterby says, I really like the trust that I get from the owner and I'll work to build that trust with others, which sounds more like a threat than actually <laughs> dealing with the issues that were raised in the report. They didn't address any of them other than saying, some of it sounds personal. So they have created a lose, lose, lose situation. Lose number one, they keep him unhappy and not buying into anything that they're doing. The, the person who's supposed to be the leader of the team. We're not talking about a left tackle. We're not talking about a corner. We're talking about the quarterback of your team, not buying what you're selling. Or they can try to trade him before the draft and get draft compensation this year, which they don't have a first or second round pick because of just all sorts of nonsense they've done uh, from their dysfunction. They could get first round picks in the, in, in the upcoming year years as well and really work on just a full boogie rebuild. But the message you're sending is our culture is so bad, we run off a quarterback in his prime. Or they can wait until after the draft, after they see how he's just not buying what they're selling, after it gets uglier and uglier. And so like, it's a lose, lose, lose. I mean, the only win that they could possibly have is to really recognize the problems that they have. And I don't think that they want to. I don't think that they want to talk authentically about some of the issues involved with the team because 
the owner likes Jack Easterby and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if the fan bases don't trust him. It doesn't matter if certain players don't trust him. It doesn't matter if staff members, if he makes their jobs more difficult because everybody's alienated from this situation, it doesn't matter. So that's, it's, it's really an unfortunate situation because there are staff and fans and players who have have dedicated their lives to this team waiting for professionals to run the team they've waited since warren moon for a quarterback in <laughs> houston and you're running the guy off like it's it's a i can't think of a situation in sports this ugly i can barely think of a situation in business this <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They'll provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get an opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus only at DraftKings Sportsbook. It must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. And I'm happy you started this at, you know, the, after that Bengals game on December 27th, because it really has been one bad, ill-thought-out decision after another from this organization and this problem. And, it, and it's not like Watson, you know, from the beginning has just been someone trying to stir up problems with the media. Yeah. From my understanding, like he sat down with, I'm not sure if it was, you know, Cal McNair or who it was in the front office, but Watson just said that he wanted to have some sort of input or at least be in the discussion with who was going to be a next head coach. Yeah, with who, and they just, they just didn't even keep him in the discussion. It's even beyond just like what the communication is. I have been told that everybody who has any access to Cal McNair whatsoever, who cares about the team, that cares about the family, that cares about people, everybody's tried to communicate to Cal McNair that this is not a tenable situation. And frankly, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be in the situation where he has to make reasonable requests to leadership for them to do normal football things, just normal football things, do normal football things. And so after all, uh, after how terrible 20, like literally in October, Cal McNair named a former preacher, the general manager of the team. And then after it was disastrous, after everything's blown up, he goes, well, you know, I, you know, he, he learned, you know, he grew into his position, but now he's going to go back into football operations. He's going to be the football operations vice president running all these operations things of people who know football better than he does. And, and he, he admitted it back in the day, like he wasn't a football guy. He's not a football guy. None of the decisions have been football guy decisions. Self-pronounced not football guy is now in one of the most football guys roles that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. And, and what's, in, what's important is after this first Sports Illustrated article, he acknowledged that trust is important in his job. He acknowledged that. But the only trust that he has engendered is between him and the owner. And really, like from my perspective, as you know, I've talked to everybody about this. Every like people tell me stuff. <laughs> I want to tell people good news. I want to tell people good news. I want to tell them that this is a healthy situation. The the team doesn't want to do that. Like the team, when they announced their GM and their coach limited press availability, they've been hiring coaches 
none of the coaches are actually listed on their website yet. So they haven't finalized things. So the only way that you can figure out who the coaches are, if you haven't been paying attention is to read media articles about like the signings over time. It's not on their website. They haven't really given anybody reasons to trust Jack Easterby. He hasn't spoken publicly since um, Deshaun Watson signed his, his contract. And at that point, it, he made it all about him. You know, like the, the things that he focused on talking about were not the things that Watson does the best. It was all about the things that he values the most in Watson. Um, I mean, it's just, people would want, people would want to, to, to trust him, but like all the people who have known him, like, and I've talked to a lot of people who go, you know, he was really good in a very limited role and the role he's been asked to do, it's beyond what he can do. And it's bad, it's bad for him. It's bad for the owner. It's bad for Nick Casario. It's bad for the fans. It's bad for the players. It's bad for fantasy football people who want Deshaun Watson happy and making touchdowns, both running and throwing the ball like he does. I mean, it's bad for everyone. But they have put themselves in a box where there are no, there's no good scenarios at, at the present time. And they say they want to make it good for Watson, but their actions show very different different situations who they've hired as their head coach it's not that he has something against david cully but that's not that's not the way that he wanted the team to be led it's pretty clear by that um they fired people that um watson was close to in the building um and that was clearly a jack easterby move and for fantasy football purposes they have restructured David Johnson. So David Johnson's going to definitely stay as your uh, Houston Texan who maybe, maybe he will do better with new coaching, offensive line coaching. Oh, come on. Like right now from a fantasy football perspective, I think you could have a bunch of dog meat around Deshaun Watson and he's still going to produce. Like last year was, you know, if we're talking, going back to what you were talking about with four wins, it was among the most amazing performances (laughs) I've seen an individual player do, like where he is having to put the whole world on his back. He doesn't have a real GM, hasn't had a real GM in years. In his final press conference, when he was asked about that, he said, yeah, I had to block that out as a distraction, not having a real GM. His head coach was fired early in the season and replaced by Tim Kelly, somebody who has a defensive background and was put on the Texans staff because he was a former grad student of Bill O'Brien's at Penn State. And so, I mean, Tim Kelly, he, he's, a, he's a very engaging person and he smartly figured out that it's like, okay, let's have Deshaun Watson do more things that he's good at doing. Now they had no running game. Like their running game, they ran a lot, which is good for fantasy pur- purposes. They weren't very efficient at it. Um, and, you know, they rarely were able to get any leads in games to run late in games because their defense was so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he had a terrible defense. Uh, you know, like nothing was going well. Oh, his offensive line coaching is terrible. <laughs> they were trying to get him killed. Like so many players that normally you would think these, these are decent players, but they didn't look very, they look confused. And if, if there were certain stunts that were being done, Watson just had to do Watsoning. He's like, you know, I just, you know, some of the best plays were outside the design of the play because it had to be. Oh, incredible. Like it was, it was amazing. And he kept these games close. Like they could have had a much better, like the beginning of the season record was devastating. Like it was pretty obvious that with such a terrible defense, they were going to have a huge struggle with the first games of the season. Um, but 
and then it just got more dysfunctional and he put his head down and he got through the season and they rewarded him with more of the same only the nicer version like okay <laughs> fine we don't we don't have bill o'brien but we have david cully who's a nice like it's like okay we're gonna try to be like the patriots where we just tell you this is how we're going to do stuff and we want to put team before self but you're not going to have a bill belichick that you can trust and everybody's just going to be real nice and we're going to pretend that like, there's no problems <laughs> and 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 when i talk about that i'm being very real like i put something on my twitter feed which was the letter that they sent to season ticket holders from cal mcnair and it acknowledges none of this. And it talks about how next year's gonna be a real exciting season. We don't even know who the players are gonna be. That there was no players in, in the packet of materials because who knows what they're gonna do with, it, with anything. They just want people to trust them despite the fact that nothing that they have done. I mean, Andre Johnson said it the best. Nothing good has happened to this team as soon as Jack Easterby walked in the door. And, and Cal McNair dismissed that as being passion, like he's being passionate about it. Well, it's true. <laughs> and you've given us no reason, no, like nothing, nothing. There's like less than nothing. Like what is it that Jack Easterby does? Well, he's, uh, he helped with, you know, the nutrition. He, like, he leads a hell of a Bible study. Well, and the thing is, is if your if your culture is so dependent on one person for it to succeed, then like if, if Nick Casario needs Jack Easterby to succeed, then he's not up to the job. It's it's absolutely incredible that we can spend, you know, 15 plus minutes going through all the problems with the way they've treated Deshaun Watson and not even bringing up how, look, this time last year, they traded his all worldwide receiver for yes. a running back. And they didn't even tell the guy until we saw himself on a uh, Twitter. I mean, you made a very good point. Well, and it's, and it's even beyond that, like yeah. they were close. They were, they had, they had a football connection and they had a personal connection. And were they the same kind of people with each other? No, but they respected each other as players. And I, I still remember when, when Watson's name came up before he was picked by the Texans and Hopkins was asked about him. I mean, his, his whole face lit up and you know he didn't let the cat out of the bag, but yeah, that was his, his guy. That's the guy that he wanted. That's the guy that everybody's been wanting. Like, that's the guy. And, and the hardest part about it, it was just like, you know, the owner of the team goes, yes, we think that the fans will like bold moves like this. And then the other part of it is just how much none of this made any kind of football sense because, you know, the David Johnson contract at that time was considered untradeable because it was such a bad contract for the amount of performance that, and as you know, running back contracts you don't want you know if if you have a salary cap you don't want to spend a lot of money on your running back when you can get replacement level you know like the replacement level for david johnson's pretty low like and 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 when they just now restructured him like who would have paid that much money for david johnson in 2021 and the, and the worst part is, the worst part is, again, we can go through the laundry list of just bad front office decisions that have been made. But as you brought up, like, we're not asking for Watson to have complete control of the team, just reasonable, normal issues. Like, hey, maybe keep the guy that you have nine figures devoted to over the next five years. Maybe just keep him a little bit involved with what's going on so he doesn't have to find out on Twitter like everyone or, else. It's a or just, or just the lies. Like, yeah, you're like, lies. well, you know, he wanted, he wanted a raise. You know, he wanted more money, like he wanted more under his contract. Well, then, you know, it kind of, kind of came out later. It's like, well, yeah, maybe I wanted a bump, but I deserve a bump. Um, and, and then, you know, then they had to try to replace, you know, his performance. But at that moment, when that all happened, you know, it's maybe like almost a week or almost a year to that point, 
we knew COVID was going to change things. We knew that COVID was likely going to limit camps. And you had guys that already had a connection, but they didn't like, they didn't, they made up reasons why they didn't want him. And then O'Brien got very kind of robotic, you know, tough, smart, dependable. And like, you know, at some point, the stuff that might work at a high school level or a college level with without grown ass people, that <laughs> might work. But, you know, people who have options don't want to have to deal with a bunch of nonsense. Or if you're hearing it from somebody that you don't respect or you don't know like that. Again, you said this early on, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. It absolutely sucks. The Texans have kind of put themselves in the corner like that, like this, with all this said, it's March 8th. Let's, you know, draft is a little bit under two months away. With all this said, gun to your head. Do you think Deshaun Watson is still a member of the Houston Texans post-draft? Yes. Okay. And I, I think the reason for that is multiple. Um, I think that, Nick Casario doesn't want to be the guy that traded away an objectively great player. Yeah. Thing two, Cal McNair loves Deshaun Watson and thinks, oh, well, if I am only nice enough and, and I make some good hires, he will deal with the fact that there's no real leader, no trusted leadership of this team. Like he'll just deal with it. And also just the general rule that, NFL isn't player friendly, no matter what your contract is. Now he has an actually pretty player friendly contract for his performance. Like if you compare his contract to Mahomes contract, Mahomes contract is a much better contract for bringing in like roster building. Yeah. And the Texans have always like, even before this recent dysfunction have always had an issue with building a roster that makes sense for the whole team. You know, they would take care of some guys and reward some guys, but it didn't necessarily match um, the importance of that position and um, how much you should spend on, let's say, a running back. You know, I I can see why you might not want to spend that much money on a wide receiver, but then they spend a whole bunch of money on wide receivers to replace DeAndre Hopkins last year. So. I don't quite get it. I mean, one approach would be to trade them away, get a bunch of assets, which they don't have, completely remake the, the roster, um, and then try to get a rookie contract, a rookie quarterback contract. But, you know, look at, look at the Texans trying to find a quarterback forever. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at the Bears. Like, you know, it's, it's absurd that we're even having this conversation. Like that's the absurdity. Like the real deal is like, do they trade them? Do they not trade them? No, they should make peace with them. They should do whatever it takes to make peace with him. And if that means kicking Jack Easterby to the curb, they need to, ch- like, if you really understand the importance of trust, he would have already resigned. My goodness, it is like he would he would not have let he would not he'd say I'm I'm an impediment to improvement I'm getting out of here if he really cared about ownership of the team he'd say I am not in a position to help this team anymore. But I think I think what they're gonna do instead is they're gonna you know Deshaun Watson will abide by his contract. Like, it's not like he's breaking his contract. The only option that he has is for everyone's suffering, his personal suffering, fan suffering, team suffering. The choice that the Texans are making is for suffering, no matter what they do. Like, if you go down all the rabbit holes, all the rabbit holes lead to unnecessary suffering. Except for all the teams that think that this is really funny. I mean, I get that. I get that. But even then, it's just not good for the league. Like it's it's a trust. A team is a trust. A billionaire can't shouldn't just go, hey, I'm a billionaire, I can do what I want. It's a it's a trust. There's there should be some vesting of all the stakeholders involved. And it's not good for all the stakeholders involved to kick such a great 
quarterback to the curb because you want to have a Boy Scout camp. Like there's just a different view of leadership. One view of the leadership is treats people like, hey, let's just prepare to be a pro. Let's, let's reward performance. And then the other view is, you know, let's find people who are good BSers and who we like. And if you don't fit this mold, then you're not invited to be in the team and, and, and we won't develop you. And it's been frustrating to see, you know, Brett Favre and some of these older football heads come and put their opinion out there where, you know, yeah. they're saying Watson makes enough money and needs to show up and play. Like when we have Andre Johnson, Arian Foster, J.J. Watt, literally anybody that's ever been involved in this organization echoing Watson's concerns. Meanwhile, Watson, you know, as great of an off the field citizen as you could ask for, you know, just what he's done for the Houston committee uh, community throughout his time there. I mean, the guy's asking like, to your point. We have, like, I'm assuming Deshaun, if we get down to week one and he has to play to make his money, he'll probably suit up and play. Like, he's just unhappy about it right now. And he has, oh, that's interesting. He has every reason to be unhappy. That's interesting, though, because I asked you before post draft if he would still be on the team. Okay, so la last question, I guess, with this Deshaun Watson situation. Assuming they don't trade him, which I agree with you, it wouldn't make sense for them to trade him. If you want to rebuild, you're rebuilding so you can try to find someone like Deshaun Watson. You don't trade away Deshaun Watson to try to rebuild. Could you see him really sticking to his guns here and just refusing to play, giving up, you know, the 20 million plus that he'd be set to earn? Well, I mean, I think, I think it kind of goes back to te Texans history to some degree. Like the, the new CBA makes it very difficult to just not show up. Yeah. Like, you know, there's been players that have done that in the past and the punishment is much more worse, but you know, once we start talking the kind of numbers that he gets from, let's say, endorsements, the money that he already has, he's already made more money than most people can possibly imagine. So now we're just talking about like multi-generational wealth and all that. Once you have certain amount of money, then other things, you know, once your basic need is met, then other things can come into play, like feeling like you're being respected feeling like you can lead the way that you want to lead as a quarterback, uh, your health. If you don't believe in the way that, you know, the coaching staff and the leaderships together, you could play and just get injured. So like, you know, okay, so you made the money that you didn't get fined, but you got hurt because you missed the whole off season and you don't trust the roster that they put together. And it looks like they're trying to tank anyway. And they might be fine with him taking the financial hickey and not being involved with the team. Like there's different onboarding points. He can do what he did last year. Reports were last year after the Hopkins things went down. He just went into radio silence with them and showed up when he was supposed to show up and didn't say anything and just did, put his head down and worked. Or he could do what... Um, uh, various players have done, which is they stay out for like the early stuff that doesn't get fined too bad, but then they show up later. Or he could do what um, some people do, like they show up in the preseason games, get a little bit of work in and then just kick it. Yeah. Or they can do with, um, and that was kind of more like the, like Dante Robinson, pay me Rick era. <laughs> or they can do what Dwayne Brown did which is Dwayne Brown was and you know, was a decent left tackle. You're a decent left tackle, you wanna be paid. Well, he didn't have guaranteed money and he didn't wanna go through training camp, you know, exposing himself with no guaranteed money. And he rightfully wanted to get paid for the way his services are and they blew him off. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> like if you pick somebody like a Deshaun Watson, or like a Dwayne Brown for their toughness, for their leadership ability, for their ability to get things done, for valuing the right things. Don't be surprised when they value their health and their leadership more than they value just a paycheck. Like it's respect. Like the reason why they are so good is that they're A, good at their jobs and B, that they have self-respect and they're not being treated with respect at all, not one bit. Like you could not go, you couldn't see the things that you saw last year 
and then see how they handled everything after the Casario hire. Like, not only did they hire him, if you read the press conference, it's extraordinarily disrespectful. Like, oh, well, Ford 99 are on board with this because we want to win and this is totally aligned. I mean, just completely delusional thinking. Or for Nick Casario to come out and say, well, my, my guiding principle is team before self and, you know, you know, others before I and all this kind of BS. On, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> that was their entire 2020. What they want to hear is that you care about football and performance and not sacrificing players' career without, without, you know, football already asks a lot of players. They need to do their part. Yeah, and the, the one even just most recent annoying thing from the front office, like, okay, J.J. Watt, arguably, you know, just the number one player in the franchise's history. I understand you don't want to just, you know, do him wrong or anything, but for him to go out there and earn that contract that he got from the Cardinals, and apparently the interest he had elsewhere around the league, are you really telling me that they couldn't have asked J.J. where he'd want to be traded to and maybe figure something out? They can call it a classy move all you want by cutting the guy, but just in terms of football operations, to get absolutely nothing in return for this guy, it's just another confusing decision and a long line of them and uh, it's just been incredibly well, disappointing and, and just how i mean i can see the argument both ways like do you really want to alienate one of your best players of all time for a third round pick which is maybe because they were going to anticipate that they were going to cut him anyway which is like the dance that goes goes around mm. i mean you you can go back and forth on that i think the bigger issue is Everything done to date shows that Cal McNair has no concept of the gravity of the situation he's dealing with. Yeah. That he is not dealing with external reality whatsoever. And you can tell that by the opening press conference where he's talking about how they're aligned and that, oh, well, they'll just, they'll just talk it out with Watson and that's just gonna, like, how do you talk out? At this you know, point. Come on. Well, I mean, the reports are from the Sports Illustrated reporting yeah. that, you know, the players had a big issue with Jack Easterby, that they wanted a new direction, that they asked Deshaun Watson to work with Cal because, you know, Cal likes Deshaun Watson because yeah. everybody likes Deshaun <laughs> Watson. Like, you, like, it, it says something bad about you if you don't like him. Like, really. <laughs> I still remember his opening press conference and I, you know, I, I knew the pros and cons of Deshaun Watson. And then I have to tell you when I saw him be himself, but within the con confines of like how O'Brien likes his quarterbacks to be, I was like, Oh, I get this. I, I get. And, and he's just very humble leader. Like, you know, he didn't, you know, the way he conducts himself, you know, in the, in practice, I mean, it was just, he, he, he's infectious. You want to play with him, but his leadership style doesn't work if he doesn't feel good recruiting you to come play with him. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it doesn't feel good. And so like to think that all of 2020 could happen where you have non-football people running football and are micromanaging people that are much more experienced and telling people how they need to live their lives off the field in ways that don't have anything to do with things on field and, and only saying, okay, only the people that fit in this box are the people that are welcome to be part of our culture. That's not something that a lot of grown people are good with. And, and so, Watson tried to get that to change and it was just a huge slap in the face. I mean, it was a slap in the face to everybody. Like Watson aside, everybody associated with the Texans, the number one thing has never been like, oh, are they nice people? Like, you know, yeah, there's, they're nice, probably nicer people than some teams. The biggest concern is that they had a very narrow view of how to play football. Like there's a whole bunch of different cultural ways that you can play football or that you can put team building together. But the number one thing is you want people who are badass football people running the show and making decisions for football reasons. And that if you happen to have charity things and cultural things, 
there's there's people character and there's football character. They seem to be prioritizing things other than football first, which I guess they can do, but they shouldn't be asking people who already have preachers and already have, you know, you know, are grown ass people to yeah. pay for their football product. Like, is it a charitable arm or charity that happens to have a football arm or is it a football team? <laughs> and, you know, I, I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but there's people that have serious concerns about this. There's, I get asked, is this a cult? And I can't answer that question because first of all, the Texans won't, you know, have very limited contact where you can ask them specific questions. But I think that the bigger thing is if, it's not if, Cal McNair chose Jack Easterby above Watson and everybody else, all the stakeholders. He chose this person over everyone. And that, that hurts. I mean, that just hurts. It just it, it, and it's yeah. angering and it makes, it makes things more difficult on yourself. Like, you know, Cal McNair was like, change is hard. No, honey, change a lot of times is easy. It's easy. Right now, everybody would be celebrating if there was a GM that wasn't like, oh, this is just the Patriots guy or this is Jack's pal. It would be just so much easier if there, everybody felt like that there was a, a truly fresh start. And no, it looks like they're trying to kind of go in the wayback machines. Like, well, we didn't do the Casario thing right the first time when we tried to hire him, but now, now we're we're going to do it better. And now we have nice people. We're bringing in all these nice people, and some of them are good at the, some coaches are good at their jobs, and some our retirees that are really nice and, and aren't going to give us any grief about stuff. And, but who's the leader? And I think the answer has to be Jack Easterby. It's truly just been like malpractice from day one. I think a lot of times, you know, us in the media or just a casual fan on Twitter, we're a little too harsh on these NFL coaches and decision makers. Like Stephanie, you and me, we cover football all year round. We've watched games for years. I still think every coach in the NFL, you know, knows more about the game of football oh, than sure. either of us, you know, on their little finger. Oh, sure. But you look at some of these, again, just from Cal McNair and the big top decisions, and you can't possibly look at the decisions they're making and say, this is in the best interest of the football team. And the fact that you can't rightfully put an answer out as to whether or not this is a cult, I think says all you need to know about the situation. So please, Houston, rectify the Deshaun Watson situation, but it's so lost right now that all we can unfortunately do is wait. And it sounds like we're not going to have an answer to this. Well, I will say, I will say that the number one thing that you know is I have strong skepticism that this defense is going to be good at all. Like, I think that they might be catastrophically the worst defense ever, even without knowing what any of their roster is. So if you're looking for waiver wire options and you see that, you know, the Texans are on the schedule and there's maybe somebody on the, <laughs> the opposing team that could put up some numbers, like, especially the quarterback, like for years, they've been having like hall of fame quarterbacks against them every week, no matter who the person is. Oh, no, this defense looks absolutely atrocious. Particularly, I mean, look, this was, they were already 26 in pressure rate, bottom two in QB rating when a quarterback was kept clean or under pressure. We already had problems with the pass rush and the secondary, and now we want to take J.J. Watt out of that equation. It's a lost cause. I mean, look, normally I want to go through the top three team needs. I know other than quarterback, but I think we could pinpoint every single position on the roster, arguably warranting an upgrade. So I just had a couple yes. more questions for you before we get to the bold offseason takes. Again, team needs, we can just put down offense and defense and please, for the love of God, make Deshaun Watson happy if that is still even possible at this point. The one player I really want to talk about, though, one of PFF's favorite players on the Texans last year, Will Fuller. Every single week, the guy was blowing up until, unfortunately, he got popped for PEDs, missed the last month of the year, and he will be suspended for week one next season, regardless of where he ends up. Do you see Will Fuller being back with the Texans in 2021? I could see it. You know, there, there's some noise about franchising him. His franchise number wouldn't be terrible. They might be able to manipulate some sort of situation where, you know, they can get something back for him. Um, you know, that's harder with the whole PED pop and, you know, just his history. It wasn't last year, but, you know, his history with hamstrings, you know, the number one 
the number one way that people have hamstring injuries is if they have a history of hamstring injuries and they're fast people. Now, you know, he said he went through some things to deal with that, but mm, who knows how much of that is the PEDs. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what the performance enhancing thing was exactly right. or the details of that. But I mean, when he's healthy, he's, he's fast, he's good. He has a, con a special connection with Deshaun Watson. Um, but I mean, if he's healthy, you know, Everyone. Oh, he's been fantastic when healthy. And, he, and, he, and yeah. he, he got rid of his drops that he had earlier. So, and not to just continuously rack up, uh, you know, one poorest front office decision after another, but the fact that he literally got popped for PEDs, I think it was five days after the trade deadline when his value has never been higher. You know, he had just gone off against uh, the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, just another one for uh, Texans fans to kind of be uh, mad about there. So hopefully Fuller's back. If not, you know, we got Brandon Cooks, uh, Randall Cobb still doing their thing there. But again, if uh, I think I think Cooks, I think Cooks would, you know, no matter who the quarterback is within reason i mean i think cooks still has stuff in the tank Cobbs. oh yeah not not so not much so much yeah no cooks was i mean you know if we want to say fuller was the 1a that's fine but cooks was the 1b just man you know no one has a scary concussion history they need just extra yes. complimentary receivers somewhere because as we've seen fuller yes. cooks and now Cobbs getting up there in age two you know similar thing with like the seahawks honestly like okay metcalf and lockett those guys are great it's okay in the year 2021 to have more than two good wide receivers on the team. Hopefully, you know, Watson or whoever's under center has a bit more, uh, you know, rich chest full of weapons there in 2021 and beyond. We talked earlier about David Johnson. Now I've been screaming free Duke Johnson for years. I did not mean, I did not mean release the guy, but unfortunately, you know, that's something me and the other Duke truthers around the, yeah. around the world will still have to wrap our minds around regardless of Duke. David now got the restructure. It seems like he's being set up to be the feature guy next year. Yeah. Now I know it's going to be, you know, a slightly new offense and stuff, but can we expect David to kind of have this, you know, almost full-time 80% snap plus role? I think that that's what they want for him. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to get lots of attempts. Um, I think a lot of it depends on who your quarterback is. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, Tim Kelly has definitely said, oh, well, you need to, you know, for play action to work, you need to run, which I don't think that modern yeah. NFL completely supports that. And analytics um, say otherwise, but. Yeah. Uh, so like when, when Tim Kelly said that, it's like, oh no, this is, <laughs> this is not like, it, cause he said that like, right, like right when he was transitioning to the offensive coordinator, I'm like, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no. But, um, I think, I think they're going to want, like, whoever is the quarterback, I think Tim Kelly wants to run the ball. Now, maybe with better offensive line coaching, they can run the ball. But I can tell you, there are any number of times where there were holes big enough that I could run through them. And I am slow. <laughs> that, like, you're like, how can he not, how is he getting tackled immediately through that like he had a couple moments near the end of the season and maybe he got his head on straight and maybe he felt more comfortable with the terminology and maybe in 2021 he breaks out he's certainly going to get some opportunities um so i mean it, this is going to be the team that will run even if it's not efficient so i mean it's not probably going to be exciting yards but they will run a lot but volume you know, is king in fantasy football. volume is king but boy you <laughs> know a limit. If, if you're at goal line do you want to run it with him or do you want to give it to deshaun watson or then you have the mystery guy so you know whoever the like they don't have any other quarterbacks no you're right and that, honestly like in all right on the one hand we want deshaun watson there because you're gonna have anyone's at worst like an above average offense with watson under center but we've seen him with kyla murray josh allen these these dual threat quarterbacks actually aren't good in fantasy land for their running backs because they usually don't yes. check down as much. They scramble or they throw downfield. And then to your point, once again, inside a 10 yard line, like they're going to take it in themselves rather than give it to the running back. So as weird as it sounds, everyone keep an eye on David Johnson, because yeah, there's a lot of reasons not to be thrilled about him. He wasn't all that great last year. He turns, he'll turn 30 next December, but he was on a 240 touch pace. If you, you know, just, 
go over 16 games. And even the worst case scenario of Watson leaving could just end up giving David Johnson, you know, the volume based RB two, as we like to say, but Hey, if he's being drafted as an RB three or something like that might just have some room for production. Stephanie, Thank you so much. You have given us total enlightenment on the Deshaun Watson situation. Before you, uh, before we let you get out of here, can you give us one bold offseason take, whether it's related to Watson, anything else, 2021, just specific season prediction, whatever it might be? Uh, bold take is I don't think that they trade him because Cal McNair doesn't want it and that he they don't make peace with him. And so if you draft him, thinking that, well, you know, he's going to play, just be prepared that he might just not play, not, not expose his health and not want to work for people that don't respect him or the way that he leads. As uh, you know, we're getting the thick of best ball season. Everyone keep this in mind because I still see Watson sitting there, top five, top six fantasy QB, which he 100% is if he's playing. And as Stephanie has told us throughout this podcast, that is far from a certainty at this point. Stephanie, thank you so much for the time. Everyone can follow you on Twitter at Steph Stradley. Uh, you want to shout out, you know, what you got on the agenda for the rest of the offseason? Yeah, um, uh, my pin tweet has some basic information about uh, – like what's happening with the team, uh, what's going forward. And I'm about to publish something about just how can they actually solve this with him? And just what do we agree on? What do we not agree on? And, you know, that's going to change over time. But right now I think it's just going to stay ugly until it's not. Truth hurts sometimes, everybody. And thank you, Stephanie, totally. for providing that. Again, at Steph Stradley on Twitter, you can find all of her reports and contributions over at the Houston Chronicle. She's Stephanie. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, everyone, until next time, take care. Take care.